uh, just as a band comes up uh, to get prepares themselves. Um, I love the way that Chris shared about family this morning. He shared about not good morning church, but good morning family. Um, unless you've uh, missed it, uh, this morning is about participation. It's about uh, coming together as the body of Christ. It's about working together as the church, uh, the ecclesia, the called out ones, um, which means that it's not about uh, one person or two people uh, doing all of the work. It's not about um, uh, just one person bringing a message this morning. So uh, we're going to do things uh, a little bit differently. I said during the prayer meeting, I have no, absolutely no idea what I'm preaching about this morning, uh, but maybe a little bit of a precursor for that. Uh, yesterday, I was out on my bike. I was actually out on Richard's bike, um, <coughs> which I'm borrowing at the moment, and it's just, you know, pedaling along, and, and I really felt God dropped into my heart uh, about uh, leading a service um, and, and getting the scripture for the service from the people. I think, oh, okay, well, I've got preaching coming up on the 7th of December. You know, I'll pray into that. And then uh, I came down yesterday uh, because Julie's away in Canada. Um, she normally cleans the church. So I came down yesterday to clean the church. And I walked in and the, and the seats were all set up like this because Ashley was supposed to be preaching this morning. Uh, and, uh, and I really, really just got this picture uh, of uh, sitting here in front and, uh, and leading the service. And then about, oh, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes later, I get a text from Ashley, who's supposed to be preaching this morning, uh, saying that the flight out of uh, Queenstown has been cancelled, uh, and guess who's preaching tomorrow? Really? It's tomorrow? Uh, so, uh, so this morning we're going to be doing something different because I really felt that there was a God preparing my heart. Uh, and so I'm, st- I'm stepping out in faith, but I'm stepping into your arms this morning. As we worship this morning, uh, what I want you to do is I want you to press into God and ask God what He wants to share this morning. I want you to pray for a scripture that God wants to share this morning. Uh, and I want you to text it to me. Now, I'm not looking for a, you know, 23 versions of John 3.16. I'm not looking for scripture memory verses. It's like, oh, I know a scripture. Here it is. What I'm looking for is you to press into God, to participate in the service, press into God and ask God if He is going to give you a scripture for the sermon this morning. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take those scriptures, in theory, by faith, and I'm going to preach a message from those scriptures this morning. So I have no idea what I'm preaching. Okay? No idea. I have no preparation. Some people say that's pretty lazy. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's much easier to prepare a message than it is to get up here and do this. But this morning as we go into worship, now uh, you can text it to me. Uh, I will, will accept paper. I'm not that far. You know. uh, but uh, it will be on the screen during worship, uh, my, uh, my cell number. Uh, so if you really feel that God has placed a Scripture on your heart, and maybe it's before now, maybe it's something that you've been wrestling with this week. But if that's you, text me the, uh, text me the message or, or bring me the message at the front. And then we'll see what God wants to tell us this morning. We'll see what God wants to say, because it's not just the pastor who is listening to the voice of God, it's the body of Christ. And as a body, 
we want to be prepared to be pressing in together, to be listening together. And this morning, the message of what God wants to say this morning is in your hands. Amen. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us, present. Here, not just so that we can lift up your name, but so that you can be among us, moving us by your Spirit, leading us, guiding us. Setting us free. Lord, we thank you. You're such an awesome God. We want to see your name glorified and lifted up. Not just here on Sunday morning. Not just in our week. Lifted up and glorified amongst all the earth. We thank you for all that you've done through the power of Jesus that sets us free. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Now the fun begins. Uh, first of all, <clears throat> thank you for all of those people who were obedient uh, because it gives me something to say. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. But for all those people who were obedient, uh, it's going to take us till about one o'clock to get through these. No, no, seriously. Uh, one of the things that uh, is always, you know, we should, never, we should never be surprised that God turns up when we ask Him to. Um, and yet there's almost this little, ah, oh, I can't believe that God brought all this together. Um, and, but this morning, uh, what we're going to be talking about uh, uh, is about moving uh, it's about our walk and our, our wanting to see fruit uh, in other people's, uh, in, in, in the kingdom, in salvation. Um, and particularly around uh, those people who, are, who have fallen away. Those people who are, perhaps have walked with God at some point, but are now uh, no longer doing that. I have about, I don't know, a dozen scriptures to get through. Um, let's see, so let's see how we go. Okay, the first one comes from uh, Isaiah 60, verse 22. Isaiah 60, verse 22, and it says, The least of you will become a thousand, the smallest a mighty nation. I am the Lord in its time. I will do it swiftly. Oh, yeah, that sounds a whole lot better. Uh, and then uh, Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 16. Um, uh, I always make this writing so small. Uh, it says, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. So what's the context of this? Uh, when, when we talk about the, the expansion of the kingdom, we're expecting to see in the last days a, a resurgence, a, a revival, a people coming back to, uh, to God uh, through various means. In this verse in Isaiah, talking about the end time, talking about that fulfillment where, where one person will bring a thousand into the kingdom. And we long to see those days where the least in the kingdom will draw many to themselves for his name. And when Zechariah got this prophecy about the birth of John the Baptist, uh, and Zechariah was giving sort of this, here's John's view of the world, and then, and then what, was, what was John supposed to be uh, ushering in was this time where, where this person, this Messiah would come 
and he will bring back the nation of Israel to God. The nation of Israel that had sort of moved away from the purposes that they had, that moved away from the promises that they had, that had moved away from the things of God, had fallen into religiosity or even apostasy. And this prophecy uh, given by the angel to Zechariah says, there is coming a one who will bring these people back to God. Now, I know there may be many of you here who are thinking of, of uh, whether it's uh, family members or whether it's friends, uh, even we think of uh, people who were at one time members of this church who have, for whatever reason, been hurt by the church, for whatever reason God hasn't shown up in the capacity, the capacity they wanted them to, and they've fallen away. They've left behind the things of God. So God is saying that, that Jesus is the answer to that. He will bring people back to, uh, back to God. And that we are expecting this revival. We're expecting this period of time uh, where we'll be able to see fruit coming into the kingdom. Unfortunately, uh, that is only the introduction. Because uh, where we have some encouragement uh, from Second Chronicles uh, chapter 20, um, and particularly in verse 17, and so uh, Tom brought this in the prayer meeting. It says, you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. So we're not the ones who are supposed to be fighting this battle. We're supposed to be standing firm in what God is doing. It says, take up your position. Do you know what your position is? Do you know where, why you are called to where you are today? Do you know what you're supposed to be doing? You see, when, when God talked to the Israelites, when they're coming against the, uh, against the enemy, he said, I'm not going to just, you, know, sit in, you sit in your tents and I'll go out and demolish them, which he could have done because the Lord won the battle. They didn't have to do anything except take up their position, stand firm, be in the place that they, went, they were meant to be and see uh, what God is going to do with that. Uh, we had uh, Isaiah chapter 10, uh, verse 32. This is the day they will halt at Nob. They will shake their fists at the Mount of Daughter of Zion, at the hill of Jerusalem. See, the Lord, the Lord Almighty will lop off the boughs of great power. The lofty trees will be felled. The tall ones will be brought low. He will cut down the forest thick with an axe. Oh, forest thickets, I should say. Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. God is the one who is our strength. God is the one who is fighting the battle. Uh, when Chris talked in communion today, he talked about getting kicked from here to kingdom come before he realized that it was actually God who had the power. Before he realized that he wasn't supposed to be the one fighting the battle. He was supposed to be relying on God to fight the battle. All he needed to do was position himself so that he would be in the right place to see the power of God at work in him. A few more encouraging uh, scriptures. Uh, Psalm 46 verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. We will not fear, though the earth give way. When we look around uh, at our circumstance, we could certainly be in that place where we, where we say, you know what? The earth has given way. Everything is crumbling around me. But, you know, God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is the one who will, uh, he will be the one fighting for us. 
And then we had, nope, did it again. Oh. <clears throat> no link. Jeremiah 17. Let's see if I can find it. Normally I would have this in my notes. Jeremiah 17, verse 8, they will be like a tree, oh, sorry, starting verse 7, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries even in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. When we're planted with God, we may see all around us things are disappearing, things are changing, things are crumbling, but we trust in God. We don't trust in what we see. The Lord is fighting our battles, uh, and He is the one who will do it for us. When we talk about, uh, somebody said me, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the entire chapter, uh, <coughs> but we're not going to do the entire chapter. But really, in verse 8, it says, love never fails. This is the love of God that we should be relying on. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. But we know that love never fails. So if you're relying on those things of the Spirit, if you're relying on you know, God because He's doing something, then you're really missing the point. God is our refuge. God is our strong tower. God is fighting the battle. God is doing this. God is the hero of the story. And our trust is in God and what God is doing. Our trust is not in our spiritual gifts and what we do through God. Our trust is not in the prophecies that come. Somebody asked me one time, if I don't get any more prophecies, does that mean I'm going to die tomorrow? God's got nothing to say about my future, so therefore I can't have one. You know, that's not the point. The point is that if we want to see revival, if we want to see uh, people coming into the kingdom, we really need to first trust that God has this. Is our foundation sure? Are we certain in whom we serve? Or, as Chris pointed out earlier, is this just a club somewhere to be on Sunday? You know, it's raining, so we'll be here instead of the golf course. God is our refuge. God is our strong tower. He is the one who will bring it to pass. Unfortunately, we are, uh, or I should say fortunately, we are surrounded in uh, Hebrews 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing your eyes on Jesus not fixing our eyes on the things that we're supposed to be doing, but fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And perhaps as we move into another series of verses, that is a warning to us. You see, for Jesus, who had everything, who had everything perfectly, who had a great relationship with God, not everything went perfectly. Perfectly as far as the plan of God was. But, you know, when you say, well, there were, there were a few bumps in the road. It wasn't just smooth sailing. When we think about somebody who is 
uh, running the race with perseverance. It's a race that is fraught with obstacles. And we need to be prepared for those obstacles when they come uh, our way, because they will come. If we are running the race for God, then we will have to persevere. And persevere says there must be some sort of resistance. There must be something in our way, something to go over, through, or around. It's not just a a straight run, but we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded by people both in this room who want to help us, a cloud of witnesses that if we let into our lives will help to keep us on the straight and narrow. We are the ecclesia. We are the called out ones. We are the church, not this is the church. We're surrounded by also a great cloud of witnesses of those who have gone before, those people who have run the race. Those people who are living in glory, they are our witnesses. They've passed the baton on. They've run their race. They've received their reward. But they're urging us on from the sidelines. Will we continue to run with perseverance the race that is set before us? Uh, James 4.8 says, Come near to God and He will come near to you. But it doesn't finish there. That's just the first half of the verse. We like that half. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Yes, God, come near to me. But it goes on to say, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. As we are surrounded by this cloud of witnesses urging us on, we are supposed to put aside those things that would drag us back, put aside those things that we are carrying that are not of God, put aside those things uh, that, would, that would slow us down. I remember uh, a few years ago, I ran a Spartan race. If anyone knows what Spartan is, it's only just started in New Zealand, but it's a, an obstacle course. Uh, so this obstacle course was uh, about 25 kilometres long, uh, 30 different obstacles, and it was built on the side of a ski field. Um, so going up and down, up and down, up and down through these obstacles. And all of these time, uh, you know, all of these obstacles that were presented uh, uh, in front of us that we had to, to obviously get over or get through or whatever. And one of the things that, uh, that really struck me as I was running around there um, is that, you know, this would be a whole lot easier if I'd left the other 15 kilos of me back at the start line. Oh, it's just who I am. It's part of me. Well, yeah, but, you know, it's a part that you don't really need. <laughs> anyway, the, <laughs> the point is that we are all carrying things that we don't need that makes running the race that much harder. And some of those things we say we can't live without. But James is telling us that if we humble ourselves, if we wash ourselves, if we purify ourselves, if we put off those things that would hold us back, in humility, he will lift us up. He will lift us out of those things. When he comes near to us, he doesn't come near with a big stick wanting us to beat us further into the ground. He wants to come near to us so that he can draw us up, leaving all of the muck and the mud behind and letting us run with him. A similar verse uh, in, uh, in Song of Solomon. Chapter 2, verse 13, it says, The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines ahead uh, spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. 
This is God's love song to you. He's, what, he's, he's inviting us into his presence. He's inviting us into a place where we can just commune with him, where we can, where we can enjoy his presence, where we can uh, just relax, rest in the, in the place that he has uh, brought us into. We are running the race and we are uh, pushing through and we are struggling and persevering and doing those things, but we're doing it at the same time as we relax in God. Remember, it's God who fights the battle. We have to take our position. And sometimes it takes effort to get to where we're supposed to be. Sometimes it takes a perseverance to, uh, to get to the position in the army of God that God wants us to. I know sometimes you see uh, a, 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 an unpracticed group forming up uh, like an army group, you know, just raw recruits, and they have to form up into their nice rank and file. And there's a bit of pushing and shoving and as everyone tries to get their position. But after a while, you have this idea that when, some, when they call uh, people into formation, it just happens. Everyone knows where they're supposed to be. There's no struggle anymore. And that's the, that's the part that we need to get to. We need to, at the moment, maybe jostling for position, but we want to be in a place where we just relax into God because we know where we're supposed to be. God is our commander. He's the one who has to worry about where we're going, who we're fighting, what the battle is, and we know that the Lord will win it. The last scripture in this section, if I can get it to work, is in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and to worship God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So this whole section talks about the fact that we are supposed to draw near to Him, but we are also supposed to purify ourselves in the process. Or perhaps a better way of putting that would be to say, let Him purify us in the process. We want to have our worship that is acceptable, not worshiping out of a heart that says, you know, oh, well, I think I have to do this. It's obligation, it's duty, it's ritual. When we come around the communion table, it very easily can become something that becomes just a, a religious event. Oh, we have to do this. The Bible says we have to do it. But God is looking for us to worship uh, Him acceptably with reverence and awe since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We've already got this inheritance that God has given to us, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. As I said earlier, the earth may be crumbling. Everything around us may be disappearing up in smoke. Things may not be going the way that we want them to go, and yet we've received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We serve a God who is always in control. We're not worried about what tomorrow will bring because we know God holds tomorrow. We put fear and anxiety aside. It, uh, if we look at John chapter 1, and someone gave me the first five verses, but I think the uh, verse 4 and 5 are key here. It says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Last time I preached, I, I read from uh, S.M. Lockridge's uh, uh, message about Easter when he talked about Friday. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You might remember that. It's Friday. Things look dark. 
You know, when we talk about John 1, 5, when we say the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, there are plenty of times where it seems pretty dark out there. Where it's Friday and we haven't seen Sunday yet. We know that Jesus has overcome the darkness, but we can live like he hasn't. Sometimes we, we acknowledge the cross and we, and we say that Jesus dealt with everything on the cross, but we live between Friday and Sunday. We need to be people who realize that Sunday has already come for us. There is a resurrection. There is a hope. There is a place where we can say there is joy, not because the world is, is, is giving me happiness, but because joy is on the inside, because this is already done. This has already happened. Jesus has won the victory. And we're going to be talking about victory tonight. Jesus has won the victory. Do we walk like we're walking in victory or do we walk like we're walking, waiting for victory? Here's a uh, scary verse. Think about that. And this is Hebrews 11, uh, 39 and 40. And now Hebrews chapter 11 uh, is, is called the Hall of Faith. It talks about uh, all of these people who, who walked by faith. And I remember li listening to a sermon in Kenya and somebody preached on Hebrews 11, the entire chapter, except for the last four verses. And we're only going to read the last two because they're a little bit depressing. You see, the start of Hebrews 11 is all about these victories. It's all about people who overcame, who saw the promises, who, who lived the life that we are all called to, who walked uh, receiving the blessings and the promises of God. And then we get to the last four verses. And it talks about people who didn't. People who were sawn in two. People who were persecuted. People who lived in caves people who had everything taken from them, people who didn't see the victory this side of eternity. But Hebrews 11, 39 and 40 says, these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. When our eyes are on the victory that has to come in our time frame, we will be disappointed. When we say, you know what, if God was truly God, he will turn up when I need him to. We've missed our victory. These people in the end of Hebrews chapter 11 didn't see the fulfillment of their promise. They didn't see the things come to pass that they were working for. And yet they are commended for their faith because even in that, they didn't give up. They carried on persevering because they recognized that the race is not about what they get at the finish line. The race for us is not about whether we are successful, whether we make it or not. The question we have to ask ourselves is the kingdom of God moving forward? And am I a part of that? Because the kingdom of God will ultimately prevail. We know that. I've read the end of the book. I know how it turns out. The kingdom of God wins. Are we moving with the kingdom of God, uh, uh, walking in the victory that the kingdom will have ultimately and not relying on God turning up when, he needed to, uh, when we think he needed to? These people in Hebrews 11 were all commended uh, for their faith. They weren't looking for an immediate fulfillment. And along that line, we have Matthew eleven twenty eight, where it says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When we are striving in our own strength to win the battle because we say the victory needs to be now, then we'll get, we'll get weary, we'll get burnt out. If we're doing those things that God asks us to do, and only those things that God asks us to do, then we will be able to persevere until the end. When we're carrying the weight, as I talk about, carrying that weight uh, along with us, then we will get weary. If we put aside those things that Jesus said, don't pick that up, then we will have rest. Oftentimes as Christians, we are stuck in the place where we think we have to do a whole bunch of things. Well, what is God asking us to do? Sometimes we need to put aside godly things. God's not asking us to do everything. We, we walk this journey in relationship uh, simply because we are in relationship. We're not looking for an outcome. Uh, you know, it's easy to, to get onto our personal development uh, requirements and, and start thinking about, well, these are all the things I need to achieve this year. Well, what is God asking you to achieve? Are we actually asking that? As we walk, uh, get to the, to the conclusion, we think about this idea that uh, God, has, God has a whole group of believers, and also not yet believers, but I think that true uh, people who have, who have maybe not uh, sold out for God, but people who know God, people who understand who He is, they haven't really made that commitment. God is really saying that there is a harvest there for us. That revival is coming, and revival is, you think about the word revival means to be alive again. So people who were alive but have died in their faith can come alive again. But God is the one who fights the battle. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be uh, rushing out there and saying, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. God fights the battle. We need to realize that it's His love and that it's His power and that it's His strength and it's His time that matters. We walk in victory, but it's His victory. And as we walk in His victory, we have victory in our own lives as well. As we humble ourselves, He lifts us up. But we also need to realize that we're running this race not for those, uh, not for a, a, a time frame of our own doing, but we need to run that race for His time frame, for the kingdom of God. Are we spending ourselves to bring ourselves glory or are we spending ourselves to bring the kingdom glory? And so the con conclusion there is uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would, be, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Now, uh, Paul goes on to say, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. The key verse there, we live by faith and not by sight. Do we trust? Faith is trusting what God is doing. Putting our, 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 our whole focus on what is God doing. Not by sight, not by the things that we see we could be doing. But we walk by faith. Believing and trusting that God has a plan and a purpose. This morning as I came to do this message, I had to walk by faith. I had no notes. I had no verses. I had no message. 
And, you know, I was talking to, uh, to Palmer earlier uh, this week about, you know, what's, what does a spirit-empowered life look like? It's a real challenge to me because it's like, okay, hmm, do I need to be stepping out in the spirit now? It's far easier for me to go out and prepare a message than it is to be this. But we walk by faith and not by sight. Am I obedient to what God has asked me to do? Or do I just say, you know what, that doesn't sound like a good plan, God. And how many times have we been guilty of that? You know, God says, okay, this is what I want you to do. And we go, oh, I'm not. do you really understand all the things that are going on, God? I know you're God and all, and you know everything, but let me just give you my opinion. Is it just me? Is there other people there who, uh, who think that? We walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, and then the last verse we've already heard this morning um, and really just... Uh, it was echoing what uh, Hannah uh, ended with there. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living for the body, that will mean fruitful labor for me, yet what shall I choose? I'm torn between the two. To be with Christ, he finishes off in verse 23, is the, is the answer, which is better by far. Now, Paul was wrestling with this, well, you know, if I get killed for the cause of Christ, is that better than if I stay alive, which I can continue to do work? But the answer is not, well, is it better to die or to live? The answer is, is it better to be in Christ or not? You see, the point for us is that we need to be where Christ is. We work alongside Christ and if Christ is over here and I am over here, then that's not the best, even though over here looks productive. You see, to live, uh, uh, <clears throat> to live in Christ is great, but to die in Christ is also gain. If I'm dying to self, if I'm putting myself aside and just saying, hey, whatever Christ wants, whatever he wants in me, whatever he wants to do through me, that's what I'm asking for. Not give me my agenda, let, it do, let me do it my way. God, I'm, I'm praying for this, and I'm just asking you to bless my plans, my thoughts, my prayers, uh, my outcomes, my victories. But are we really stepping into that place that says, you know what, dying to, die, dying to self is really to raise Christ up in everything that I need to do. So this morning, the encouragement is to carry on doing the things, the work of God, and He will be with you, and He will encourage you, and He will give you strength. But don't judge God by the victory that you don't see today. Okay? Don't judge God by the victory you don't see today. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the message this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God of order and that you brought all of these scriptures together in such a way that we can have a message directly from your heart this morning. Lord, I pray that the words that have been spoken, your words, would bring life into the people who have heard them. Lord, I pray that your words would not return void as, your, as, your, as you promise. Lord, that they would be a, a seed that is planted in good soil, that they would bear fruit. Lord, I just echo those sentiments from, uh, from Chris, that we would put aside a fear and worry and anxiety and stress and recognize that those things have no part in our walk with you, that we would be people who are just sold out, understanding you love us, you care for us, you want to lift us up. You fight the battle. You are the one who holds all things, and we just need to be in you. 
Lord, I pray for everybody here and that they would continue to participate in the body of Christ, not looking to do, uh, not looking to their own interests, but looking to the interests of the body, this local body in Te Awamutu and the greater uh, body of the kingdom of God. We just pray, Lord, that they would be finding ways that you want them to participate, to be a part of that body, to be a functioning member. And Lord, we thank you that you are sovereign. We thank you that you have all power and all control and that we only get a glimpse because if we knew everything, we would just be huddled into a ball. We thank you, though, that we can trust that you know all things and you have all things in your hand. Let us die to ourselves this morning, this week, this month, and let us raise you up and see you magnified and glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. That was awesome. Absolutely challenging. Ouch. But good. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, God. <laughs> hey, just want to remind you that um, our last night service tonight, come and participate. Six o'clock, it'll be great to have you. If you're a visitor um, and you want to know a little bit more about you, we have visitor packs available, so you can see one of our host teams there. There's coffee and a fair bit of information, but go and be a blessing and uh, ask Jesus, where is he going and are you going with him? Amen. So uh, see you tonight and uh, have, a, have a blessed afternoon and amazing week. God bless.